Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico. All right, we've got a great show for you tonight. Um, as mentioned, we're going to be starting off with Coach's Corner, and I'll introduce the, the guys in just a minute. And then a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Dr. Joe Parent, uh, best-selling author of Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game. He'll be joining me on the second half of the show. Um, just a quick program note, um, as most of you have probably discovered when you tuned in last week, uh, unfortunately, my, my guest last week, uh, uh, didn't make it. Uh, he had a, he had a little bit of a conflict with the time and got uh, confused, for lack of a better word. So he uh, didn't actually uh, make it to the show. But uh, I'm working on rescheduling him for uh, the first available date. So my apologies for those tuning in to listen to last week's guest. I will uh, endeavor to get him uh, back on the show as quickly as possible. But he uh, wanted me to send his apologies to the listeners. Uh, for not uh, appearing last week, and it was certainly uh, an honest misunderstanding. All right, um, show uh, is also sponsored by uh, iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teach professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. Subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. All right, we've got a great show, as I mentioned. Uh, joining me this evening on the Coach's Corner panel, uh, first up is Pete Buchanan. He is the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf, uh, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And he's been teaching for 30-plus years uh, in this wonderful business of golf. Also rounding out uh, and also a veteran of the game is Clint Wright, a 30-year uh, member of the PGA uh, he's also a partner at TGM Golf and a big proponent of the R3 approach. Uh, also one of the best, in my opinion, covering the short game today and uh, among my favorite guests uh, here on the Coach's Corner panel. So, uh, Pete, Clint, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to be here, Ted. Yeah, thanks, Ted. I I appreciate it always. Thanks. Uh, it's always a lot of fun having uh, having this part of the show. I, I certainly enjoy the interview portions as well, but uh, it's always fun to have some good discussion on the panel. All right, we're going to talk about last week, uh, for those of you who turned in, uh, our topic was uh, your first trip to the golf course, what you need to know, part one. Tonight, we're going to talk part two. So just a, a very quick recap. Um, this is obviously directed more for beginners, but uh, it's always good to, to get a little refresher course. So last week, we talked a little bit on the panel uh, about what you do when you arrive at the golf course. Um, you know, how do you check in? What happens when you're driving up into the parking lot? Um, how early you should arrive? Um, generally, obviously, there's no set rule, but uh, you want to make sure that you, you come in um, a little bit before your tee time. So for an example, if you're teeing off at, at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, um, it's always recommended that you try to show up a, a, about an hour early, uh, certainly 45 minutes early. That gives you time to 
to get your bags and get your equipment all ready. And, and uh, if uh, the course allows a check-in uh, or a bag drop, if you will, um, you want to get that going. And also you want to maybe, if you haven't had a chance to, to grab a, some lunch, maybe you can get a quick bite to eat. Uh, uh, usually the clubhouse has uh, some good uh, fast uh, meals and, and healthy meals to, uh, to get to. And also it gives you an opportunity to go out to the practice tee, or sorry, the practice green, uh, maybe make some practice putts. And if you're there a little bit earlier, uh, you might even grab a, a small uh, bucket of balls and head out to the, uh, uh, the practice area, to the, to the uh, driving range, if you will, and, uh, and work on uh, some of the clubs before we get out there um, and, and hit the first tee. So uh, a lot of different things we talked about last week, and if you want to hear them in, in a little more detail, uh, then you can listen to last week's show to hear part one. So, Pete, um, I'm going to start with you uh, on this one here. And, and again, the topic tonight is uh, your first trip to the golf course. Uh, a lot of our beginners, you'd be surprised um, how many people have no idea what to do once they get to the golf course. So we talked, as I mentioned uh, last week, about some of the things to do to prepare. Um, but now we're ready to get to the first tee. So we've made it to the first tee. We've checked in. We've managed to practice a little bit. We've maybe grabbed a bite to eat if we didn't get one earlier. And now we're getting uh, ready to hit that first tee shot. What are some things to do to prepare for that? Um, talk a little bit about club selection Maybe how much time should we be spending once we get up and are standing over the ball? Give us an idea. Walk us through that routine for your first tee shot of the round. Well, that's a really good question, Ted, you know, especially for, for newer players. But, you know, the first thing I would try to do, if, if there is a scorecard, I would make sure I'm looking over it so I can, I can get an idea of what the hole looks like. A lot of times the cards will have a picture and or, you know, the, the, there might be a tee marker that has it making sure you're playing a set of tees that's going to be comparable to what you're trying to do and not playing all the way back. You know, we have, we have so many players that will play the course too long and, you know, you get a comparable tee that you're going to play from. And then, you know, the first shots, you, you also have to look down the fairway and kind of look at what you're up against. And I know for newer players, they may not have as, as much control over the ball, but you know, you still want to get a good idea of what's down in front of you. Um, you know, if there's hazards one side or the other, so trying to get a picture of what you want to do. And, and uh, if you've had a chance to warm up, you have an idea where the ball's going, which would be quite nice. And so you have an idea of what you can do for as far as the setup that goes. Um, but as far as the time it takes, you know, setting up over the ball, you know, you don't want to take too long. You know, I've always said the longer you stand over the ball, the, you know, uh, in my opinion, cement stands in, so you or sets in, so you start to become mm. like stone. So you just want to keep right. a little bit of movement. And you know, from a time frame, I say you know, once you've teed it up and and you've you've looked at where you're trying to go, and then once you set the club behind it, I'd say you know, it, it shouldn't be more than shoot five ten seconds before you pull the trigger. You know, just just get yourself relaxed, get a little bit of movement, and then off you go. You know, try to keep that that motion right before you hit it to a minimum, you know, not real quick, but a minimum so that, you know, you're not thinking about too many things that are going on. But, you know, I think that the first tee can be, you know, pretty nerving for a lot of people, especially, um, you know, with what you're looking at and what the hole's designed like. But, you know, try to take a nice deep breath and relax and, um, you know, you're getting ready to have some fun. And that's the real thing that you ought to keep in mind. You know, you're out there to enjoy the, the, the golf course and what it gives to you. But I think from you know, just trying to set up that first time to hit that first shot. Um, you know, if you have a little bit of an idea of, of what your ball is going to do, that's going to help you obviously for, 
for where you're going to aim, where you're going to set it to, depending on what the hole has. But, um, you know, try to stay as relaxed as you can. It's a little bit tough on that first tee, especially if there's people around watching. But, you know, and from a club selection standpoint, I would hit something you're comfortable with. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a driver. I mean, I, you know, just because there's right. a one on the bottom doesn't mean it's the first one you hit. So, you know, I would I would make sure you take a club you're comfortable with that you can send the ball out into the fairway. And, you know, I always like the new players, I said, hit it in the fairway as far down as you can. And I said, and in that mm-hmm. order, don't hit it as far as you can and hope it lands in the fairway. Hit it in the fairway right. as far down as you can and then advance from there. So if it takes you, you know, a few shots, that's fine. And, you know, I had a, the advantage this last couple of days. I was working with two of my brothers and, you know, one's a pretty new player. And so I was splitting the holes in half of the yardage and having him, I'd say, what club goes, you know, I'd take a 350-yard hole and I'd cut it to 175. I said, let's hit a 175 club twice, you know, Mm -hmm. just to break it up and and get him a little bit more control over the ball. So, you know, those are some of the things you can do just to, you know, as a first time hitting off that first tee to make it a little bit easier. Right. Well said. And and you're exactly right. I think for for a lot of our – uh, beginning golfers, um, you know, it's important, I think, uh, you know, backing up a little bit to what I said, you know, earlier is you want to show up early enough to, to allow you the time to get out there and hit some balls and certainly get on the putting green for sure. Um, maybe do a few chip shots. Um, I, I wouldn't worry if you've got time, certainly you can hit some bunker shots as well. Um, but you want to test the speeds of the green and, and get an idea uh, of what they're going to be rolling that day. And, uh, and again, sort of assessing how you're hitting the ball uh, gives you, uh, you know, a, a better understanding of how you want to approach things. Um, you're obviously not going to be worried too much at, at this stage about strategy um, and course management as much because you're just really learning the game. Um, but you want to do something that you're comfortable with. And, and, and I agree with that. I think, you know, just because it's the driver and that's typically what we hit on the, the longer holes. Um, if you're not real good at it yet, scale back, hit a, a, a hybrid uh, or a, a low uh, fairway wood, uh, or even, uh, I mean, even a seven iron, hitting a seven iron off, um, you know, if you can hit it relatively straight down the fairway, and even if you're only hitting it 120 yards, it's better to be 120 yards, as you said, Pete, straight down the fairway than hitting it 200 plus yards and ending up in the woods or the bushes somewhere. So that's great. And as far as just to, you know, again, there's no specific, obviously, you know, you're not playing in a tournament, so they're not really on the clock the same way, but general rule of thumb is, you know, from setting up to um, actually hitting the ball, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 seconds. You want to be prepared. You want to play ready golf uh, when you get on that first tee. So when you're playing partner, if they're going off first, um, you know, you want to be the next in, if you're the next in line, you want to be ready to go there, get your tee uh, and ball teed up and that and, and get ready to go and, and maybe take a practice swing or even two if you've got time. But uh, 20, 30 seconds, 40 maximum from start to finish. If you're going any longer than that, like you said, Pete, the cement starts to set in and, and you're just not going to play well. Um, you know, Clint, one of the other things that, that um, I think beginners particularly need to understand is, and, and when I say the rules of play, is not so much um, the specific rules out of the rule book. Obviously, that's important to, to get to know uh, some of the basics. But even things, simple things like marking uh, your ball on the green and and really properly raking a bunker. And, and, and that's the general idea I'm going for here with this question. So maybe just touch on some of the basics that, you know, your beginners might be faced with out in the golf course. They should have an understanding. They don't have to know everything, but certainly an understanding. Maybe just 
brush a few uh, sure. points uh, no, no there in mind. I think one of the things that, uh, along with this question, uh, the plan here, is that I, I don't want to disagree with you, but everything you and Pete both described about hitting a hybrid or playing that, that is strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the beginning player needs to think strategy. How am I going to get this thing down the fairway better? That right. is a strategy. We encourage people to think about getting to a par four in four shots. That's strategy. What, and like Pete said, break mm-hmm. the hole up into 275 yarders. So a bit of strategy, we encourage people to play double par. And this is one of the things from an etiquette standpoint we want to talk about is that if I'm out playing, I'm a beginner. What we encourage people to do is if you're playing a par four and you're not on the green in four shots, you pick it up. Yeah. Walk it up, put it on the edge of the green, always putt out because you still have to learn how to putt. But if you've hit it four times and you're not on the green yet on a par four or ten times on a par five or whatever it is, cut the frustration for yourself and the people you're playing with and most certainly the people behind you. Pick it up, Mm -hmm. walk it up on the green, and putt out. That makes the flow of play continue to move along as a beginner. And then once you can get to that green in less than double par, then you can start keeping score. Um, so that's one of the things I would encourage people to do on the course from an etiquette standpoint. Obviously, the whole right. rule of thumb is leave the golf course better than you found it. You know, um, as far as raking the bunkers, well, in today's world, we don't rake bunkers because of the COVID. But, you know, rake the bunkers. If you don't leave trash on the course, you know, and I would encourage you don't leave trash in your cart. That's a good thing for the cart attendants at the end of the day. We have trash right. cans on the course. Put them in the trash can. Don't just pile it up on the golf cart and expect somebody to take care of it. We do, but it sure is nice to walk up on a golf cart that doesn't have any trash in it um, Mm -hmm. because most of them are pretty well. So that's a a thing, a little housekeeping. Um, You know, we, generally speaking for beginners, depending on who it is, is we always like to, you know, putt out. That that eliminates Mm -hmm. having to mark your ball, you know, in the early stages, take gimmies. If it's in within a foot or so, it's good. Pick it up and move on to the next hole. We don't need to go through the, the, the marking of the ball all the time. Uh, you, right. You've hit a pretty good shot. Uh, you've been successful on this hole. It's not about keeping score yet. <clears throat> you know, Go ahead and take that putt and, and, and move, move on. It's easier. But if they are going to mark the ball, it's obvious it's you know the, put in a marker behind the ball, pick it up, place it back down, obviously. Uh, when it's your turn to putt. Uh, if, with us anyway, when we're playing, we very rarely mark the ball unless it is just absolutely standing in somebody's line, we'll mark our ball. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, we go ahead and putt out. You know, and that, that helps play. Mm-hmm. It helps it move along, and it, it's just one less step you have to, to do. Uh, and for beginners, that speed of play becomes a stress point for them. Right. So anything they can do to keep pace with the course, not that they have to play extremely fast, just as long as they're playing at the pace of the course that day, right? That that takes a stress level out that they, they, they don't feel, um, you know, embarrassed or feel like that they're holding people up. They can relax and enjoy their day as long as they're doing a few of these things we've talked about, like the double par to get to the green. Don't mark your ball unless it's just obviously in somebody's way. Those things save just a little bit of time. That gives you an opportunity to keep moving along at the speed of the course, 
and but not rushing it. The game, golf is not played by the clock; it's played by the right. hole. Okay, enjoy the hole, but it, you know what you don't want to do is keep somebody else from enjoying their day, so you can do some of these things. Or most importantly, if the group behind you, you're not keeping up with the group in front, step aside, take a break, let them play through. It, there's nothing wrong with that. For some reason, I think a lot, even some of our more seasoned players think that there's something wrong with, you know, letting somebody play through. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a courtesy thing that you're paying attention to the other people that have paid their dues or paid green fees to enjoy their day. It, you don't want to prohibit them from doing that. So there's nothing wrong with stepping aside and let them play through. Uh, so just some real simple things that people can do like that helps them enjoy the game better. Everybody they're playing with enjoys their day. And, you know, every one of us, this is the thing I think a lot of beginners don't get, is that everybody that plays this game has been them before. We've all been beginners. Right. Okay? And we encourage people to understand that because we have had such a mix of new players over the last couple of months people that's testing the game out for the first time or whatever, says we have all been where you're at, so don't don't be worried about it. You know, we encourage the beginner says, okay, if you're playing with with four more with three other people, if you feel, you know, self conscious about your swing, just tell them to turn their back. You know, I don't want you watching me. You know, you have to turn your back, I'll hit it, don't worry about it. And and go on and enjoy their day. And if we can get people to do that we can we can keep them in our game, uh, and so just a little simple thing that, that that will matter a lot in the long run. Right, and you're exactly right. I, I mean, I, there's a lot of things to learn, and I think one of the intimate, you know, golf is already difficult enough to learn to play the right. game, and there are certainly a lot of rules. And I think one of the mistakes, and I agree 100% with you. I think you have to. To, and I don't like to use the word shortcuts, but I like to make it so that you know that people are ha- having fun early on. Because one of the problems that you can do as a, as a coach or a teacher professional is overwhelm the students with too much information up front very early on in their right. education, if you will, of, of learning the game. Mm-hmm. And that can be, um, you know, th- there are some cases obviously that may be uh, okay and it may be applicable depending on their their level uh, of play and and what their understanding is. But for somebody that's never played the game, and there's a lot of things, including a lot of rules involved, and it can be very, very overwhelming on top of just learning how to hit the ball correctly. So, um, that's right. yeah, I, I agree with, with yeah, I agree with what you said. I think you have to sort of take it uh, case by case, of course. But generally, mm-hmm. I think the easier we can make it for them, the more likely and more apt they're going to want to come back. And then you kind of, you know, you kind sure. of spoon feed them a little bit each time as they come, and they learn a little bit more, and and. Um, you know, and it's better that they're getting it from us than some other buddies. I mean, yeah. certain things they can get, but we don't want you know we don't want their buddies teaching them yeah. the golf swing, especially when he's a, a 25 handicap. So, but, uh, right. but yeah, I, I you're, do you're, think that we have to keep in mind, as well as they, we play a ball and stick game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really not a complicated yep. game. It's ball and stick. You can make as much out of it as you want to, or as little out of it. But all together, it's a ball and stick game. That's all it is. Right, exactly. Um, just to move along a little bit, um, I, I know we've got, um, 
you know we're kind of focusing on the beginners here, but uh, again, there's diff level of uh, level of beginners. Um, some other things that I think people need to understand too is um, knowing sort of how it works. You know, when when it's your turn to hit, um, as an example. And there are other, uh, again, falling sort of under etiquette and courtesies that, that come on, uh, you know, while you're out in the golf course. Um, what are some other things that the folks can learn uh, as a new golfer that's not going to be overwhelming and not going to be daunting um, when they come out? That, that's a good idea to sort of try to get them to understand up front. I think you hit on two of them, you know, really well right there. You know, understanding when it's when it's their turn to hit. Um, you know, I don't think they have to play uh, – you know, specifically to that, I mean, if you're out in the fairway and you're far apart from each other, you know, um, you know, not that you're going to interrupt the other person, but, you know, there, there's a definite flow to it. So, um, you know, if they're a little bit, you know, who's the furthest out is going to play first, um, you know, it doesn't have to be exact science, but if you're not sure, you can always ask. And, um, you know, just make sure that when somebody else is hitting, you're mindful of them. You're usually standing behind them or off to the side. Um, you know, out of the out of the view as best you can, um, just so you're not not uh, bothering them when they're when they're playing their shot, um, and you know, staying quiet when they're when they're hitting them. I know today's golf is full of carts with uh, you know music blasting, which is a new <laughs> new thing that's out there. But you know, when you first start off, you want to learn how to you know pace yourself for what you're doing. Uh, be mindful of the other players that are out there. Uh, be courteous. You know, just making sure that. You know, if, if you don't understand a piece of it, you know, ask. You know, there's probably people playing in your group that have played a little bit more. And, um, you know, they, for the most part, they're not going to mind saying anything to you or, or you know, helping you out. Um, and it's it's not a bad thing, too, when when they go to play, if, if there's somebody else playing with them, to say, you know, hey, I'm new to the game. Anything that, that you can help me out with, I would appreciate as far as making sure I'm standing in the right place. You know, I don't get in your way. Um, you know, I'm new enough, so I, at certain times I might not, you know, fully understand that. But, you know, if you could be mindful and assist me a little bit, I'd greatly appreciate it. And that goes a long way with the other people that are playing with them, you know. Um, and because as Clint said, we've all, we've all been there before. We've all been beginners. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other things that they can take when they're out there on the golf course is remember, this is the learning process. And you know what? If, if you try a shot, you're around the green, and you try a little chip or a pitch and and it's not successful, you know, don't let it frustrate you. You're learning how to do this, you know, and if, if it, if it doesn't work and you, you know, hit behind it and it goes a foot, you know, try it another time. If that doesn't work, that's okay. Just pick it up and drop it on the green and go putt. You know, you're learning how to position yourself and play these different types of shots uh, around the golf course, not only from when you're in the, on the practice tee or you're getting lessons from great lies. Well, now you go out on the golf course and they're not so great in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And so now you not only have to play a shot, but you got to play it from a crappy place, you know? So, right. um, you know, you're all learning. And so, you know, don't let those types of things, you know, get you down. You're learning how to play. You're still new to it. And there's a, there's a lot to learn, as you said, but, you know, don't hesitate as a, as a new player, um, you know, to just be aware of your surroundings and making sure you're not standing and somebody's putting and, you know, you don't want to be between them and the hole, so you're standing in their line. You always want to try to get to the side or behind them so you're not in their view. I think those are the things that, you know, just being aware of your surroundings will help you a bunch. Um, you know, and, and don't take it so serious. You're out there to have some fun. And there's nothing wrong right. with if it's not working, just pick it up. It's okay. You know, 
just pick it up and go along. And, and if you're struggling a little bit, um, you know, with tee shots and everything, then let somebody else tee off and then just go down there where their ball is and drop yours and play from there. That's okay. You know, you're still learning how to do it. And if you come up to a hole where there's, you know, a tee box and water and a fairway, you're like, uh-oh, that's okay. Drive over to the other side and drop it on the fairway. It's no big deal. You know, don't let it frustrate you. Still learning how to do it. So just take it to the other side and say, oh, look, I'm just going to play from here. Once I get more comfortable with trying to hit it over that, that water there. So it's not a big deal when you're yeah, first starting out to, to do that. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, you know, I think a lot of uh, beginning golfers, um, you know, want to feel like they're fitting in with the group and, and um, you know, they, they think that they've got to do everything. And, and obviously, you know, there are rules to the game, but people understand and the courses understand that as, as beginners, and actually they want you to do things in that manner um, because they, they want to keep pace of play going, obviously, for, for some of the better golfers out there. And, you know, it, it's it's being, um, you know, respectful to the other uh, players out on the, the game. And, and also um, it, it's good etiquette, I think, as well. Um, Clint, I mentioned early on about, you know, arriving to the golf course, um, you know, getting ready and, and allowing yourself sufficient time to get out there and practice. And obviously as a beginner, they haven't really worked out a, 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 what we would consider a, a practice regiment or regime, if you will. So if you were advising a new player that wants to go out and, and play on any given day, um, what were some specific things, um, keeping in mind their, their level of, of, of skill at that point, what would you want them to or encourage them to practice um, maybe the first time or first two times out um, as opposed to you know, what we would normally want them to work on? What should they be to get the best experience? What's going to give them the best bang for their buck, if you will, out in the golf course? What should they be practicing before they hit their first tee? Well, you know, it's going to be an obvious answer for me. I mean, they need to learn how to chip and putt. I mean, so, right. you know, we encourage that. We work on people and say, look, I don't care how you hit it. If you're shooting 120, if you learn to chip and putt, you can shoot 100. Um, you know, so I would encourage the, the beginning player, if they're going out to the course, and is you want to hit a few balls just to kind of find your rhythm for the day. You know, a small bag of balls, you know, every golf course has got that warm-up bag or, or bucket, you know, 15, 20 balls. You're not going to find it on the day 30 minutes before you play. Just go out and loosen your body up. Get some movement going. And then hit a, if, if the golf course allows, hit some pitch shots, just some little chips, get the feel for that. You know, you go through the routine of a tour player. They don't just go out and bang mm-hmm. 50 balls off the tee and go play. I mean, they hit some putts. They, they're out there early enough to mm-hmm. hit some bunker shots, and they get a feel for how they're going to play that day. And so I would encourage them just to loosen their body up. There's some great training tools out there to just to loosen up with. That would be fine. Uh, but hit some chips and putts because that's you're going to hit a lot of those shots every day when you're beginning. That that 50 yards the hole, you're going to hit a lot of those shots. So practice those. Get good at those. One of the things we work on with people is whatever you hit your third shot with, make sure you're good with it. Because if you can get your third shot on the green, you know, you can you can do pretty well. And so that's what I would encourage. If they were going to have 10 minutes, hit a couple of chips, hit a few putts. You know, if you got 20 minutes, hit a few chips, hit a few putts, hit a few swings, and then go to the tee. I have a pet peeve in this business, and I've had it for 40 years. 
if you got a 10 o'clock tee time, that doesn't mean when you get to the course at 10 o'clock. That means you got your ball teed right. up at 10 o'clock. You know, it's right. amazing. Right. And, you know, <laughs> you know, um, and so give yourself a half hour, like you said, get there early enough. But if I was only going to have one thing I could do, it would be hit a few chips, hit a few putts, and then advance the ball. All right. Um, and yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say something, what Pete said about, you know, if you just get tired of playing, ride the cart for a couple of holes, you know, doesn't hurt mm-hmm. anything. You you have paid to ride in that cart. So if you want to ride it and not play, that's <laughs> fine. You know? Uh, so it's, it's okay. But just a chip and putt, get a feel for the ball in the club a little bit and, and then go, go out and enjoy the day. That's all you can do. And one other thing, I, yeah, and I, I think not sure, not not to be overly uh, pessimistic about our teaching profession is that we have to teach people to play golf, not just how to hit a golf ball. So right. we we spend a lot of time, the guys up here do, and I'm sure Pete has and you have, is I'm going to take mm-hmm. a player on the course and teach them how to play. You stand here when I'm hitting. I'm going to stand there. So you're teaching them how to play not just teaching them how to hit a putt or a wedge or hit your driver. So there's an obligation that we have as professionals and teaching professionals is to when they come and are taking lessons, we need to to take it upon ourselves to show them those things. And I think most people, you know, most pros do, but I think it's imperative that if we're going to maintain beginners in this game, then they have to enjoy when they're out there and if we take an obligation to teach them how to conduct themselves, then that's part of teaching them how to play the game. Right. Well said. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that. And I think that, you know, as professionals, I think that, you know, we obviously want to to help them to be able to hit the ball better because obviously that's going sure. to make and give them more, more enjoyment in the game. But more importantly, they have to understand actually how to play the game. And I mean, we've seen this time and time again, how many tour players even out there that are just phenomenal ball strikers, but they're not winning. Uh, and I know that there are other factors involved. I mean, you've, you've got a higher level of competition uh, and more better players than, than maybe what you might have 20, 30 years ago. But the fact of the matter is some of the, the best players out there that are winning are not necessarily the best ball strikers. There's a lot more going on there. And, you know, they know how to play. They know how to get the ball. I mean, how many times have we watched Tiger as, as, you know, as exciting as it has been over the years to watch him play? How many times have we seen him push a drive, you know, a fair way over, but then he's able to mm-hmm. recover and still shoot a good score on that hole? So, uh, you know, or, or hit it in, in the rough somewhere and he's got a, you know, looks almost an unplayable lie, but somehow he manages to get it out because he's learned how to play the game. He's learned how to recover during difficult shots and, he knows how to put the pieces together. So, you know, he's not That's the right. best ball striker out there. We've known that, but he knows how to play the game. So you're exactly right. I think it's, you know, it's a balancing act. We want them to, to, to be able to hit the ball uh, well, but if we're focusing all of our energy on, on that aspect and not actually teaching them how to play the game, they're not going to get the enjoyment or fulfillment out of it. And also, it, it, it's constant work. They're not having any fun. If they're always grinding it That's out right. on range, trying to be the best ball striker out there and not actually getting out and enjoying the game, that adds to the frustration as well. Um, Pete, what do you think about this? Um, you know, for a lot of our beginning golfers, sometimes, uh, you know, we, we all love playing beautiful golf courses or some wonderful golf courses and, 
in virtually every state and beyond. Um, but for beginning golfers, maybe it might be more prudent for them to hit uh, if they've got one in their area, and many courses do, uh, a, a par three course or an executive style mm-hmm. course it's often referred to, or even simply just playing nine holes. They don't necessarily have to play 18, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we have just down the street from my house, there's a, there's a nine hole par three, which is a great place for them to start. You know, you go over to play the regular course and the, the, the par three is empty. And I'm like, and they're, they're losing out. They're not understanding where, you know, the newer players, it's a perfect place for them to go. I think the longest hole from the front tees is maybe 85 or 100 yards from the very forward tees. And they're, they're about three sets. So you can play a little bit longer back, but I love going over there because it's a great way to work on, you know, all of, all of the shorter stuff. But I think it's a perfect place for them to play to not only learn the flow of the game and how it works, but then the holes are shorter. And, you know, they don't have to worry mm-hmm. about it too much. Or, you know, what I've said a lot of times when they're starting out, I said, I want you to drive down to where you're 150 yards out and then start there. So mm-hmm. every hole you play, you go down to the 150-yard marker, and that's where you're going to tee off from. So let's just start there until you get used to how the golf course moves. And uh, I totally agree with Clint. I said, you know, all the shots that you're going to play in golf, the ones that have the most feel are the shortest ones. And usually they're the ones that are the most neglected. And so if you can get a good feel for putting and chipping and little pitch shots, goodness, those are the scoring shots. So if, if we're going to teach beginners properly, we need to teach them how to score first. And those are the short game shots. You know, teach them how to putt, chip, pitch. And, you know, a lot of those pitch shots can lead into, you know, better full swings. But, you know, it's not only getting, getting them to understand how to play the game, but you also have to get them to understand how to score. And, you know, just hitting, you know, drivers off the tee all the time isn't going to help them. They need to understand the short shots and, and the variances in the short shots and how important they are. You know, it's a, it's a great way to save a ton of shots. And so I think, you know, from, from, from the newest players, it's, it's just an overall aspect of that is, you know, those executive courses are, are dynamite for them to learn on. They're, they're usually not very crowded and, you know, they can, they can play at a nice, easy pace and not worried about anybody, you know, pushing, pushing them or, or trying to play through them. And if, if they are, just let them go. It's no big deal. You always have some that, you know, they, as, as we used to say back home, people would come and say, what's the course record? And I'd say an hour and 29 minutes. And we were being, you know, right. facetious because, you know, everybody's <laughs> trying to play a zillion miles an hour. Um, but that was the course record. There's four of us that played in an hour and 29 minutes. But, um, you know, it, it's it's getting them to understand that there's there's a there's a pace to it. But I think the par threes are, are phenomenal. So if, if they can get to those, well, I'd, I'd have all the new players. And I've done that with the ones that I've had here. I've had beginners that where I teach, but when I get them to go to the golf course, the first time I take them to the part three, it's just an easier place to go. And it, it's, it really gives them a good setup from, from tee to green and they can see the green from the tee, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you can't, there's a dog leg or something and they're like, they have no idea what they're looking at. So I think the part three well, is a really valuable place to play. Right. And, and I know myself, you know, growing up uh, as many in, in our, you know, generation, um, you know, we're taught, most often than not, uh, you know, by our father or, or, or uh, maybe an uncle or what have you. And, you know, that's what we learned on. I mean, my father, you know, belonged to a country club and, um, you know, they had a par three uh, course there, nine hole course. And he said, that's where we're going. We're going to, this is where we're going to learn the game. This is where you're going to learn the game. 
And, you know, when you're ready, then, you know, we'll come out and we'll play on the big, the big boys course, as he used to call it. Yeah. Um, but he wanted me to learn it. And for the very right. reasons, reasons that you talked about. And I think the other thing too, um, you know, that we have to remember for, from a new player's perspective, they don't have a lot of confidence starting out unless they happen to have some, you know, inborn talent and are able to, to stripe it down the middle of the fairway from the get go. Most of them are not going to hit very well. Most of them are not going to be able to accomplish a lot of things that we've talked about here tonight. And so we want to really develop a level of confidence for them so that when they do get out, um, again, they can move up forward tees just to make it a little bit easier, but they're going to feel more confident. I mean, there's a lot of, as I mentioned, a lot of beautiful courses out there that I know they would love to and anxious to get out there and play, but they're not going to enjoy them if their level of play is, is, is not good enough to really get the best out of that experience. So I would rather, you know, lead them to an executive or par three uh, type course, let them, you know, as you said, they can see the green from the tees, uh, let them build up some confidence, work on some of the areas of the game that we've, we've talked about, the, the shorter shots and so forth. And again, typically they're not as busy. And, uh, and then when they get feel, you know, confident, then, you know, you can move them maybe just to nine holes on, on the, the larger course. Uh, again, just to get them, uh, for some of the biggest mistakes I've seen is, is a lot of beginners and even high handicap amateurs go out there and they think they've got to get that 18 holes in and they've got to play the longest hole and they've got to, or the longest course and uh, you know they've got to hit from the championship tees because they feel like they got to get their money's worth and then they just get out there and they're you know they're hitting 120 130 and they're scratching their head at the end of the the round wondering why they're not scoring very well and it's because they don't know how to play and they just are not very good and so you know build your confidence up do some things that are going to uh, increase that level of confidence so that when you are out there uh, and you're working with your instructor and your teacher, you can talk about some of the things, some of the experiences that you've had, um, and then you can work on some of the problematic, uh, the problem areas. Uh, and then when you get to a level that you are feeling more comfortable and confident with, with your abilities because you have been working in the right manner, you know, then you can sort of look at it as a graduation. The same thing with equipment, and that's, Clint, what I want to lead with you into and that is equipment. You know, we're allowed 14 okay. clubs in the bag, um, but it's not necessary. What would you recommend no. for a beginner? Let's let's get them set up um, again to give them the best opportunities well, out there. What let, would you recommend that they put in the bag? Let me make a comment about what y'all talking about before we go there very quickly. In 1983, mm-hmm. I bought one of those par three golf courses. Okay, we still own it. The short hole's 140, the long hole's 220. And here's what you tell people: you know, you go out, and right now we saw. Our short course, two weeks ago, played three times as many players as normally plays on Sunday. And it all mm-hmm. comes down, I'm going to pay $50 to bang it, or am I going to pay $12 to bang it? Right. And sure. So get your money's worth. So why pay big fees when you can go learn at that other course? So you're absolutely right. I'm, I was chuckling when y'all were talking about this. I said, you know, this is wonderful. <laughs> it, it's coming back around. I mean, y'all, y'all keep talking. Y'all are doing a great job about the par three executive course <laughs> owners out there. Like we've been for years. I mean, it's wonderful equipment, the cheapest mm-hmm. equipment they can find that is of our era. We don't need to be buying something that was built in the sixties or seventies, you know, that right. we, we always encourage people to buy the commercial grade club. We've always mm-hmm. sold them at our clubs for the beginners. Most of what we used to call the old three and eight set, you know, mm-hmm. 
three woods, eight irons, a putter, and a bag, and here you go, you know. But in today's world, there's some really nice, innovative things in the beginner-level clubs where you can get like a seven, eight, nine wedge putter, a couple of hybrids, and maybe a high-lofted driver in a bag very economically. Um, mm-hmm. So if you just want something new, I wouldn't go any more than that. You know, you know, you, it's hard enough to hit a three, four, five, and six iron when you know what you're doing, much less right. when you're just beginning. And there's always a market for the resale of that set. When you get ready to trade up to, like you say, a big boy set of clubs, there's always mm-hmm. a resale market there. Okay. Yep. Uh, those are always in need, just like junior clubs. It's always in need for junior clubs. We used to tell people, hey, spend 150 bucks on your kid's first set of clubs because you're really only investing $50 because you can get 100 for them anytime. I'll right. give you $100 back for them and you bring them in. So you're only spending 50 bucks. Don't spend $50 on a cheap set of clubs because you're really only spending $20. You right. can always recoup some of your investment back. but So there's two ways of looking at it. That really innovative beginner box set that they'll see it at some of your big box stores and stuff, that's not a bad place to be. Most golf courses will help you with that. That'll get you a little better quality for your money. Uh, or mm-hmm. look for that kind of moderate, maybe four- or five-year-old use set that's out there on every platform in America that you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't, I guess what I'm getting around to is don't think just going cheap is the best thing to do. Buy quality, buy some value, because you're going to be able to recoup some of your money back no matter what you do. But mm-hmm. here's what you don't do. You don't go buy a $1,000 set of golf clubs. Right. You know, you know, you don't need that. And because you're not going to recoup as much of your money back. So, Seven iron, eight, nine wedge putter, a couple of hybrids, maybe a three wood or a high lofted uh, driver that you'll eventually get to. Nice bag. If you're going to spend any extra money, spend it for a good quality putter. Um, that I think that's important. Good quality putter. Because that's a club that you're going to take with you maybe for a long time. Once you, you, know, you get a good putter and you've you got confidence in it, you know, I've got a putter in, in my collection I've had since I was 15, 16 years old. I like it. You know, I'm not going to get rid of it. You know, and that's the same when I was starting or you were starting. If you got a good quality putter, it's a club you're going to carry with you no matter what your other clubs look like. So good quality putter, intermediate set of, of clubs with, and sometimes maybe even every other one, a three, five, seven, something like that will work. Um, but just decent quality for a reasonable amount of money, and you can find that in, in today's world in the little box sets that will get you started. Yeah, and that, that's some great advice. And, and see, this is what what I was getting at at the beginning of, of this segment is, excuse me, a lot of our, pardon me, a lot of our beginning golfers, they don't know where to go. You know, they don't know where to start. They don't know, you know, what's available to them. And I think it's important you know, sometimes I think even in, in, from our positions as instructors, we take for granted that they know more than they do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously they sometimes like to think they do. They come in and say, well, I've watched this video or I've seen that tip or whatnot. 
Um, but the truth of the matter is, even people that have been playing for a number of years, when you really break it down, they don't know as much as they think they do. So they really count on, um, you know, our guidance. So um, it's important for us to lead them in a direction that is going to give them the most enjoyment of that experience. And if it mm-hmm. means, you know, again, as you suggested, with the equipment, you know, to go out and spend a thousand dollars. Uh, on on a set of of golf clubs for a relatively new golfer, even somebody that's been playing for a couple of years, uh, in my opinion, and I I know that some people listening that are in our business are probably (laughs) cursing my name right now. But the truth is, it's the same as, you know, when I, right, you know, I went to the PGA show this past January and, you know, I got looking at some of the new equipment and yeah, it's exciting and it's interesting and it's fancy and it looks cool. Um, But then I look at the price tag and it's $650 for a driver. Well, uh-huh. You know, uh, I wouldn't spend that, and I've been around this game a long time. So I look at it this way. If you're not able to hit the club, then you shouldn't be buying it, especially at that price. And it's a Somebody's lot – it buying. feels a lot better. <laughs> well, it ain't me. But, um, but you know, but, but the point is that going to what you said earlier is I, I think as – you know, and and consumers are more savvy now when it comes to purchases and that. But in an area like golf, that they, you know, they know they have to have equipment. It says already it can be costly and expensive. We need to be good stewards of that and say, look, we're going to guide you in a way that's going to be cost effective for you. That you're going to get the best enjoyment of the game. You're going to have good equipment, good quality equipment that'll last you for a little while. And then when you progress in your game down the road, if you want to treat yourself to, you know, a little more advanced set, then that's great too. But for right now, this is what you need. This is going to do the job. And this is going to help you get the most enjoyment of your game. A quick wrap-up, guys, uh, as we get ready to, uh, to to close out the segment here in a few minutes. Um, we, you know, we've arrived at the golf course. Uh, we've gone through the motions. We've gotten out there. We've played an exciting round. Pete, I'm going to start with you and maybe just touch on a few points, and then um, I'll let you, um, uh, Clint, sort of wrap up that this uh, question. But now okay. it's time to sort of assess and analyze what the day has, has brought us. So we've been out in the golf course, we've practiced, we've played our game, uh, and now we're coming back to the clubhouse. As a beginner, Pete, um, what are some good things? What, well, first off, let me back up. What should be, should we be taking uh, or paying attention to what's going on out in the golf course, maybe make some notes? What should we be cog- uh, conscious of? And when we get back in, we'll talk about um, some specific things that we can do to sort of self-analyze uh, what's been going on uh, during the round. What are your thoughts? Well, definitely I would have them take notes and take notes of the things that, you know, they struggled a little bit with. Um, and also uh, notate what they did the best. You know, it, it's not bad after they finished 18, they go, go around. Um, if you're going to, you know, have something to drink, some water, iced tea, whatever your favorite beverage is, and, and to sit down and, and just think about the round that you had. Um, you know, if you can take notes while you're playing, it might be helpful so that you know, or you can do it when you're done. But it's it's always a good thing to go back over the round and just kind of think of the things that you, you know, you, you still need some work on, some of the situations you struggled in, um, some of the shots that you struggled with. And that's also good feedback going back to them. If they're taking lessons, they can go back to their pro and say, hey, you know, I got mm-hmm. a chance to play. I, I had a great time, but boy, this situation was, was I had no idea what to do out of this. And so, you know, that can be some fuel for them for, for future lessons to figure out how to play those, those certain shots. But yeah, I, I always encourage my players to take notes and, and write down, you know, 
positive and negative. What do they do well? What do they not do well? And what, what mm-hmm. things that they feel they need to work on so that when we sit down and go over the notes together, we can sort of look and, you know, go over those notes and say, as you said before, they may feel that they need to work on this, but actually they need to work on something different. Um, you right. know, just to make sure that we can see their notes and make sure we're, we're on the same page as to what they're trying to do. And I think that it's always helpful for them to, to go back over the round. And I, I always have done that. When I get finished, I like to go back over and, you know, just look at the things that, you know, that I did well and, and really enjoy those and look at the things I didn't do so well and what can I do to make those better the next time I play. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, you know, we want uh, the the beginners to, to be conscious of, of their time. I mean, you know, we don't need a memoir and, and uh, you know, they don't have to, to write an essay when they're out there, but it is good to yeah. jot down some some uh, some points uh and they don't necessarily even have to do it every single hole. They can just sort of do an overview. If they're struggling with, with their putting, then you know, make some notes. What areas is it the longer putts they're really struggling with or is even some of the, the short knee knockers that uh, they're, they're really having some issues with? I mean, I've seen a lot of beginner golfers that get out there and you, you know, uh, are faced with a 30-foot leg putt and they'll cozy it right up to the hole within a couple of feet. But then when they get up there to, to close the deal, as it were, suddenly that two-and-a-half-foot, three-foot putt, you know, you would think it was a mile away, and they're nervous over it. So, um, Clint, I, I know you know you don't need yeah. to necessarily repeat everything. If there's some points that you want to touch on that, that yeah, Pete mentioned, it's but, true. Um, yeah, and you must be watching me play here lately. I mean, I roll it up there, and it's two footers <laughs> like a mile long. Right. Uh, no, I mean, Pete's right on the money. I mean, what we encourage to do is, if you want to play better, you have to prepare better. And the only way you prepare better is to analyze what you've already done. And so we call it the PPA cycle. You prepare, you perform, or play, and and then you analyze. Because you have to analyze the issues in order to prepare better for the next performance. I mean, golf's no different than doing a play or anything else. I mean, you didn't like your performance, you analyze what was wrong with it, then you can prepare better for the next performance. So that's pretty much not a given, but, and I agree with it, it's not a specific every shot, everything, and as you're beginning, mm-hmm. it's more of a general concept of where you need to right. work. Once you've reached the level of play to where, you know, it, you're shooting in the mid-70s, you want to go to the low 70s, then it's a very specific thing. But as a general rule, as a beginner, it's more of the general idea, like you said, how was my putting today? How was my swing today? Was I making good decisions? Those kind of uh, analysis to where you know where to go practice. Um, but there, there's no question that, that Pete's perfectly right uh, as far as making some notes, analyze it where you can prepare better to play the next time. And always go in the bar, you know, and- buy your beverage, hot dog, help the club out. That way they keep your green fees down. It costs you less to play golf. Real simple. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you to throw that in there. Um, you know, there you the go. Thing I'm, too, I'm working for um, everybody out here. I'm, I'm working at it. That's right. That's right. Uh, do a little marketing on the side. Um, there you but, go. But all seriousness, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, a lot of times, as you, you both really pointed out, a lot of our, our, our beginning golfers particularly um, focus on the wrong areas. They think because they had a bad run, well, I'm not hitting it far enough. I'm not hitting it long enough down the fairway. When actuality, it might be their chipping is not very good or their, their pitch shots are, are right. falling short each time or maybe – um, you know, uh, it's a combination of a, a couple of different things. So a lot of times, you know, 
again, this is why it's important for them to to assess what's been going on and be in, and be honest. It's better to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, I'm not hitting it the, the farthest down the fairway, but I'm hitting it pretty decent. I'm, I'm in the middle of the fairway or certainly uh, in play all the time, and we can work on the distance as well at some point. But really struggling is my my pitches and my chips around the green or my putting or whatever the case may be. Um, and those are really where, I mean, you know, uh, guys as well as I do, that's where you're losing most of your strokes. You're not losing it off the tee. Um, you know, we need to put it in position, of course. Um, but again, most people that I've seen, with, with a few exceptions, they can get within two, three, even four shots, they can get to the green um, with, with some relatively, uh, you know, relativity of success. Um, but then once they get there, that's when a lot of it falls apart and you start seeing the, the you know, the eights and the nines and the tens and, and whatnot. So um, focus on some of that, you know, make those notes and then get back with your instructor and talk to them um, about some of those areas. And then they can give you specific tips and training tools to help overcome some of that. And again, um, you know, don't be afraid to get out on some of these par three or executive courses as well, help build your confidence up there. And I think once you become a little bit, you know, proficient there and, and you can, you're certainly not never going to master it, but as, as soon as you become pretty, pretty confident, pretty competent on that par three course, then you can graduate to the next level and get a little longer golf course and, and challenge yourself there and go through the same process. But, you know, it's nice to take trips and to get into some of these resorts and the beautiful courses. Um, but it's not going to be very good for your self-esteem if you're out there. And as you said, Clint, you're, I mean, you're going to pay a lot more than $50, but you know, you're paying a high green fee and you're not really enjoying it. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And, and we want, you know, if we're truly going to be honest with ourselves and we're going to grow this game, we've got to get real about it and we've got to get people out, um, and just having fun and play to their ability and let them work towards a, a goal down the road. Um, of maybe being a more accomplished player, but not try to, to shove them into something that they're not ready for. Um, Grice, uh, some great discussion tonight. I appreciate some great uh, mm-hmm. thoughts and, and viewpoints, and hopefully our uh, beginning golfers that are listening out there, which I know there's always a lot of them um, from some of the feedback I get. Uh, hopefully they took away a few uh, nuggets, if you will. And uh, later in the show, when my special guest, Dr. Joe Parent, uh, joins me, we're going to talk about what goes on upstairs uh, between the ears and how that can help. Uh, your game as well but very quickly guys if you want to uh, let the folks know the best way to uh, to reach out to you if they want to get in touch or uh, or or have any uh, questions for you how's the best way to do that pete you go first then clint hey ted again thanks for having me on clint's always a great time to be on with you i really enjoy it um they can reach me at plain simple the plane is p-l-a-n-e and all my contact info's out there so if you have any questions drop me a note and let's get a conversation started well said. Thank you. Um, Clint? Yeah, Pete, it's always a pleasure. You, you know that. I, and Ted as well. I have a lot of fun uh, on the show every time, and, and I appreciate you including me. Uh, just it's real simple. They can send me an email to clintgoff001 at yahoo.com and love to talk to them. And uh, you guys have a nice evening and uh, a great weekend coming up, okay? I appreciate it. Uh, again, thank Thanks, you guys uh, always uh, for bringing your best on, on the uh, Coach's Corner panel. I appreciate it very much, and I look forward to uh, seeing you guys next time here. So have a great weekend as well, and uh, much continued success, and be safe out there. All right. Be good. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very uh, special guest on the Coach's Corner panel tonight, Pete Buchanan and Clint Wright, both uh, 
uh, great golf professionals who've been in uh, around the, the, the course, if you will, for, for many, many moons and uh, always uh, bring some, uh, I think, some insightful uh, viewpoints to the show. And I always appreciate having them here on the Coach's Corner panel. Um, again, I just want to remind everybody the show is uh, sponsored uh, by iGolf Sports Network. And iGolf is a uh, broadcast and media production company. Uh, designed to uh, provide top-quality programming to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips Magazine, the most in-depth instructional magazine, uh, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top uh, PGA and LPGA teach professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. All right, as I mentioned, my very special guest this evening, Dr. Joe Parent. Uh, he is a best-selling author of Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, and uh, hopefully be able to help you in that area of your game. Uh, he's a renowned expert in performance psychology and has coached the mental game in golf, uh, business, and life for over 40 years. Uh, he has worked with major champions, uh, many other top golf professionals, as well as amateurs at every level. Uh, he has the singular distinction of coaching both a man, Vijay Singh, and a woman, Christy Kerr, to number one in the world golf uh, ranking uh, Golf Digest man, magazine, excuse me, honored Dr. Parent in their first, uh, sorry, in their list of top mental game experts uh, in the world. Uh, so please welcome my very special guest tonight, Dr. Joe Parent. Good evening, Hi, Joe, and welcome. Hey, Ted, I'm, can you I'm hear doing me very. Okay? W- I can certainly hear you, and uh, I know you've been uh, listening to uh, some of the program here as we've we've gone along through the. Uh, panel discussion. Any any thoughts or, or comments that you want to add before we uh, we continue on? Yeah, I, I actually made a couple of notes, and uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I, I always smile when I hear you um, say "out and about." Uh, oh, I <laughs> Canadian Canadian. I am a naturalized Canadian citizen as well as a, a natural-born American <laughs> citizen. I lived in Halifax, Nova Scotia, for 10 years and got my citizenship there. So um, I I liked a lot of the things those guys were saying about beginners. So uh, one of the things that I – I'll start with with beginners, that it's always good if you're playing when you go out to play to uh, let the people know on first tee – that you're a beginner, mm-hmm. or or a yep. um, and if you're not a, a a complete beginner, you know that you, that you're still learning the game, and that you play uh, the game you play is OPS. That's what I call mm-hmm. it, OPS, and it stands for Optional Personal Scramble, which, which means that at any point <laughs> that I feel like it, I can pick up and drop to, near your ball. Um, right. OPS happens to stand for other person's shot. <laughs> so, <Right>. and and <laughs> no good golfer that you play with is going to object to that. And you say, you know what? Right. I didn't like mine so much. Picking up and coming to play yours. It it reminded me I was teaching <laughs> a uh, a women business and golf conference, uh, a, a program for women beginners who wanted to learn business golf. Mm-hmm. We, we went through all the instruction and I gave them the mental game aspect and how to do a good routine and work with their breathing. And there was a swing instructor. I'll, I'll never forget what she said. She said, ladies, 
um, take the game seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. I thought I, I right. used that a lot. So, and we we got to the we went to the first hole. And we were going to play regular golf, and uh, one of the women we were walking out the fairway, and she picks up her ball. And I said, "What are you doing?" She said, "Well, that's how you play golf. You you pick up your ball and you go to one of the other ones." And I said, "Oh, really?" She she had never played a regular round of golf. She had only played in charity tournaments or company tournaments. Right. And, and we realized that when we got to the second tee and she said, where's the little tent and table with the drinks? (laughs) (laughs) He thought that whenever you play, there was a table with drinks and prizes at every tee. And and you picked up your ball, played where somebody else's, where somebody else hit it. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so <laughs> I wish uh, it was that I wish it was that simple. <laughs> that's right. So so for beginners, just say this is the game I play, OPS, and if I don't like it, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up. So I will I promise I will keep up the pace. And that's all a golfer wants to hear. That, that you yep. they don't care where you your shots as long and, and you say, and I've got a lot of golf balls. So if I can't see mm-hmm. it so I'm not going in the woods. If I can't see it from the, from the rough, I'm, I'm dropping where your ball is. Right. So no, and I don't want you to spend any time looking for mine. Well, that's music to any golfer's ears. Um, right. I, I, I liked what the guy said. They, they said, and, and they said, you know, please, uh, I'm a beginner. Please let me know. Uh, where I should, where it's best for me to stand, whose turn it is, so I can learn the right. etiquette of the game. Form. But but don't mm. try to teach me how to play while I'm out here. Don't give me instruction. Right. Please, you know you're going to be dying to tell me what I'm doing wrong. But, <laughs> and and what what you can do for beginners, go you say my uh, my instructor has asked me to work on a couple of things. And he said not to tell anybody. And mm-hmm. and so and so now there will be some people that cannot help, but give yeah, advice. No, that's true. They <laughs> can't help them. So what beginners should do is say, "Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, let me work on that for a while. And if I need anything else, I'll get back to you." And so you don't say. Don't tell me what to do, and don't try to do what they say. <laughs> you don't have to listen. You don't have to try what right. they say. You know, it's funny. I, I, right. I was working with VJ. I was working with VJ, and we were out uh, in a program, and the one of the amateurs was was wasn't hitting it very well, and and mm-hmm. VJ said, "Here's what you need to do with your grip," and he got the guy to change his grip. Well, which is pretty challenging while you're playing. Exactly. While you're playing. <laughs> right. Guy, he, he tried to do it off the tee for two or three holes. On the, on the third hole after the, after the tip, he waited till VJ was looking away or talking to his caddy, and he went back to his old grip and hit, and he hit a good shot. And VJ said, see, right. I told you you'd, you'd get it. So, <laughs> so, so be appreciative of the advice, but don't necessarily right. follow it. And say always say thank you, and then just play what you've been you've been working on. 
Now, um, the other yeah. thing I wanted to share. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. No, no, please go ahead. Okay, so other comments on on what they were they were saying. Um, the other thing I started on a pitch and putt. The mm-hmm. long hole was 120 yards. That was the big hole. Right. That's the one we need to have our nine iron for. Everything else w- was a sand wedge, or you know. And they gave us a putter, and and we had a choice of two irons to take. And I was I was 10 years old, and you know what? That's how I learned the game. And I never had a problem as as I graduated to a longer course. I didn't really have lessons. I you know I, I didn't play that well. But I, I never got mm-hmm. bored because I learned how to chip and pitch and putt. And so I really liked what they said about that. Now, if you're teaching kids, I have a special technique for teaching kids how to play, which actually improves your game. Okay? What mm-hmm. usually happens? Uh, a mom or dad takes their son or daughter out to play. And if they're decent golfers, they hit their tee shot and then, it's a number of shots before the kid gets to theirs. They may not even remember where they hit their ball. And they, the kid feels bad because their parents hit it so much farther or so, you know, and, and they're not right. having any fun. So I, of course, like what they said about they start at the 150 marker, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is, or even the 100 marker. You want to, you want right. to say, you want to hit a shot where they're going to have at least a full wedge into the green. And once they start getting better and hit it farther, you move them back from the 100 to the 125 to the 150 to the 175 and so on. Now, here's the secret. What usually happens? It usually revolves around the adult's game and the kid has to try to catch up. You make, yep. the, the, you make it revolve around your kid's game. And here's the special thing you do. They tee off from wherever you teed off. And your job is to try to hit your ball as close to where theirs ended up as you can. So if they only hit it 20 yards, you got you got to play a 20-yard pitch. If they hit it 70 yards, you got to hit a 70-yard shot. So so the the two things it does, it makes it about them, which kids are much happier if it's about them than about anybody else, okay. right? Of course, right. <laughs> you get to work your touch and your short game and your pitch shots and you know and 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 with that, you know and don't use a yardage marker. You know, don't I mean a, a range finder. Just kind of feel it and and your game will get so much better. They will have so much fun because you're trying to get as close to them as you can. Now, once you get on the green or near the green, you can say, okay. Everybody plays their own ball in. But until then, mm-hmm. your job is only to hit as close to theirs as you can. It, it is right. so great for the kids. The kids are going to have more fun. You're going to have a great time working on your partial shots. And you don't even need to bring your full set of clubs. Um, okay. Yeah, that's a couple more things. Real, yeah, that, oh, go ahead. I was just going to add real quickly, and then I'll, I'll let you continue is that's a, an excellent point because you're exactly right. It's very intimidating, for, especially for little kids that are out there with their parents that, you know, they all want to impress their parents. They want to, you know, be the big boy, big girl sort of uh, speak. And there's mm-hmm. nothing worse than a parent to get out there off the, you know, off the championship tee and 
you know, puts one 250 yards down and the kid's just looking where the ball go. And, you know, yeah. they have no chance. It, it, you know, it might take them 10 shots to get that far. So you're exactly right. I think that's a great point, you know, because you want them to, you want to have that bonding experience with the child out on the golf course, especially when you're first trying to introduce them to the game. And if you start, exactly. you know, doing it, uh, you know, where they, where they feel in very incompetent or inferior, they're, they're going right. to lose interest because they think they, they, they just and, cannot and they wrap their frustrated. mind around. Right. Yeah. Right. Get, exactly. And they'll feel like they don't measure up and they don't, I don't want to do this yep. anymore. This isn't any fun, but if they're, if it's their shot that you're making it all about, it really, it works great. And they have so much fun. And if they hit it short, they don't care. They say, Oh, okay. See, see if you can hit it over there. And they don't care how many times right. they hit it. They just get up, they yep. whack it. And, and then it's your job. <laughs> So they don't have to, they right. have to reach you. It's your job to hit it to them. So it just flips the whole thing, and they have so much more fun. Now, the other thing for beginners is how do you keep score? Well, it's pretty depressing when when you're playing with a couple of other people, and they go, one says four, the other says five, and you go 12. That, that right. doesn't feel very good. So for beginners, no. don't. Don't keep your total score. Here's what you do. You get a point for every shot you liked. Mm-hmm. If you liked it and if you felt like, oh, man, I hit one in the air. That's great. I like that. And you get a mm-hmm. point for that. And your job is to get as many points as you can. Yep. Uh, and so all you're doing is counting ones you like and forgetting about the bad ones. Otherwise, you're writing down a score, and you have to add up all the bad shots, and that's no fun. So just count right, the ones exactly. you like. And the and somebody says, well, then you'll you'll get you'll just start getting points on every shot. No, because as you get better, your standards will go up, and you won't like the one sure. that's pretty good, and and you start going, and uh, and and it moves you along. Now, when you are ready to keep score. Measure yourself against the scorecard. The scorecard right. is what a golfer would shoot. You set up, and this is the second, I, I introduce it right away. It's an early chapter in Zen golf, and it's called Your Personal Par. If you mm-hmm. are a 36 handicapper, you get two shots on every hole. Yep. And I want you to go in and use a pen or pencil and change the scorecard. Write the, a different number. So every par three is a par five. You have par fives, par sixes, and par sevens. That's what you're playing. And it works so well. I, I was out doing a, a, a little uh, corporate clinic, and we went out and played a few holes. And this one guy, you know, he's kind of scuffled his drive. He had a, a, a pretty you know, a mediocre hybrid up. He hit another one up and he was, he was four shots and he hadn't reached the green. And somebody said, a little frustrated and said, Oh no, no, no. I get three more shots to shoot par. If I get it on the, if I can just chip it up on the green and make two putts, I get my par seven. It was a par five. I get my par seven. And, and what a refreshing thing than to say, I'm already over par and I haven't even gotten to the green yet. You see? So mm-hmm. so set up your personal par and and how many 
how many, let's talk about 12 handicappers, okay? Add 12 to 72, that's 84. If you shoot an 82, somebody can say, well, what'd you shoot? And you say, two under. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many times do they get right. to say two under? Never. But this way they get to right. say, I shot two under. I shot two under my par. Because right. that's exactly. my par. And and so those are some things that I wanted to share for, uh, um, based on what you were talking about before. I, I did like what they said about how you teach beginners, and that's what I do. And Harvey Pennick said this: if I'm going to teach a, mm-hmm. a kid how to play golf, I put a putter in his hand and I put the ball one foot from the hole, because that's how the game, that's how each hole ends, with the ball going in the hole, and we work backward from there. And once they can sink the one-footers, they sink two-footers and then three-footers and then four-footers and, and work backwards to longer putts, then chips, then pitches, and, and away you go. I loved what they said about get good at your third shot. Get yep. good at, the, at your third shot or your second one for a par three but, or your fourth one for a par five. But get good at the last shot you got to hit to get onto the green. And I and I, I love that. So I just wanted to tell you. Yeah, and that, and, that, and and definitely, uh, Joe, some great points um, that you bring as well. And you're exactly right. You know, one of the things that again frustrates so many golfers, specifically beginning golfers, is it's already a challenging and difficult game for even the best out there. And when you've got somebody that's not familiar with how the game is. And now you throw in actors like um, your typical par 72 and you've got, you know, a 7,400 yard golf course. And it's just, it's just a very daunting task. Or you get a situation where, again, like you mentioned, working with juniors or, or younger players um, that don't have um, the capacity at this point to, to be able to, you know, hit it out there any great distance. And then you match them up with a parent who's, you know, trying to kind of show off a little bit in front of their child. Um, you know, you're not going to uh, score any brownie no points, fun. if you will, that way. And, no, exactly. It's not fun for the child, and they're not going to want to do it because they, they don't feel they can they can compete, as you suggest. And I like the point system that you put in place. I think that's a, a great way, um, really. And, and it all boils down to what I pointed out earlier, too, is, is confidence. You want the person to, to build confidence, and the best way to do that is to start out simply. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but I – I host a another program on Tuesday mornings uh, called The Women of Golf, and my good friend, LPGA professional Cindy Miller, I don't know if you're familiar with her or not, but um, she talks about a new uh, sort of program called Par 36. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but basically the gist of it is uh, you start out at 25 yards from the green. And the idea and the concept mm-hmm. is that you play from that distance until you par 36. So in other words, you've got two shots from 25 yards to par now you could adjust that as you suggest you could make it you know an an additional you could make it three shots if you want but the idea is you do not move from that position until you can par it and then when you do then you move back maybe to to 40 or 50 yards and you do the same process again and the idea is you're as you suggest you're, you're you're honing on those shorter shots and it's not as daunting when you're trying to shoot a number like that from a very close distance um, as opposed to going from tee to green, which often is the case for most players. So um, that's just another mm-hmm. way that, you know, I think that professionals are starting to recognize that, that 
we need to find a way to simplify the process for most people because it is very, very overwhelming for a lot of beginning golfers. And, you know, the stats, you know, you look at the stats each year and there's literally millions of new people coming into the game, but on the back door, there's just as many exiting the game for some of the reasons we talked Mm -hmm. about tonight. It's just very difficult. And obviously there's cost issues as well, but so we have to find ways of, of, again, encouraging them to, you know, to want to get out there and play, um, but not making it so difficult that it's overwhelming that they can't play uh, and let them graduate and, and, and excel at their pace and under their terms and conditions, not basically what the, the industry standard is. And I like the, what you suggested about adding, um, you know, additional strokes on and play to your par, not necessarily the, the par uh, of the course. And I think that's a great suggestion. Um, that's exactly right. I want to ask. You know, you know, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Joe. No, please go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that it comes from par is is kind of an artificial concept. If we didn't even have it, it wouldn't change anything about moving the ball from from tee to green, and and into the hole. Um, and in fact, it was a fluid number. Uh, it was a, a variable number in the old days. It was set up as a as a standard to qualify for a like a city championship in Scotland, and it changed based on the weather. You know, if it's blowing 40 miles an hour and raining and raining sideways, par is not 72, probably more like 82. Right. And so, so right. par was was adjusted for everybody on the course. And so, why not adjust it for yourself based on your capabilities? Right. And, and again, people are more apt to want to stick around and continue to try something. I mean, every sport can be difficult when you're first learning. Um, but golf is especially, um, you know, the ball is a lot smaller. The club uh, face is much smaller than, uh, uh, you know, as Clint put in earlier, it's, it's a stick and ball game. Um, it, it's definitely more challenging, but it can be more rewarding when you begin to develop a, a sufficient skill. Um, and, and again, even the best players, they're never going to master it. Um, but it's a game that you can always improve on and you can get a, a tremendous amount of enjoyment out of it if you approach it the right way. So I think it's just a matter of rethinking the process. I want to ask you, um, Joe, this first question to sort of uh, officially start the evening off. And I appreciate very much you uh, adding some, some points into our earlier discussion with the panel. Um, But I want to ask you what makes it, uh, and I'm referring to golf so mentally tough or is it? Um, When you say mentally tough, uh, it's, that's an interesting, interesting question. Uh, I think that one of the things that makes it so mental, let's call it mentally challenging, and that okay. is that it appears like it should be easier than it is. You know, um, nobody's throwing a ball at you at 100 miles an hour. It's just sitting there. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no shot block. I mean, you, you don't want to take too long. Everybody will start going, <clears throat> you, you know, what, you could have hit that shot. You could have hit that bad in a lot less time. Um, but there's no, you know, you get to, you get to take your time. You get to stand anywhere you, you know, you, you can put it anywhere on the tee that you want. It, it's, it's sitting up in the air off the tee. Um, there's a big wide open space in front of you how could it be this hard? <laughs> and, and here's the, you're on the green and here's a little ball. Here's a little flat stick. 
you're just trying to roll the ball over into the hole. Why? And so, so because it seems like it would be so easy, it's so frustrating. Now, the other thing Mm -hmm. that's challenging is it's addictive. Now, golf is addictive like slot machines. You know how slot machines are programmed? You know that it's not random. They intentionally program slot machines to reward on a schedule. And it's based on Mm -hmm. psychological studies that the most reinforcing pattern, the the strongest pattern of reinforcement, of reward, let's not use fancy words, the the pattern of reward that gets you to make the strongest habit and want to keep doing something is called, it's random and it's intermittent. You don't know when you're going to get your reward, and it doesn't come every time. So you put a quarter in the slot, you put another one in the slot machine. After five quarters, you get a you get a jackpot. Ooh, a little one. Oh, and then you go, and it just it goes for ten or fifteen, maybe maybe seventeen, and then oh, you get another one. Then maybe after mm-hmm. two, then maybe after thirty, and it starts getting longer and longer and longer in between, and it keeps you going. Well, in golf, every now and again, as they as they say, <laughs> even a, even a blind world finds an acorn once in a while. <laughs> no matter your, what your level, every now and again, you're going to hit a good one, and you go, "Oh, I like that." That wasn't so mm-hmm. hard. And here's the trick: the ones that are that are the best shots feel the easiest. Isn't that true? Right. We, when exactly. We when we talk about a great shot, we feel like, well, I didn't even try very hard. It was like the club was swinging itself. And the secret to that is what I teach. You got out of your own way. Yeah. And whatever talent you had came out. And you hit a decent shot. A, and a happy shot for your level of play. And you got your reward. So you're going to make a lot more swings to try to get that reward again. And, and that's what's right. so frustrating. And and again, I don't know. If, I don't know if your if if your audience is old enough, but we used to have these little toys um, that were made out of bamboo, and they were woven a little woven tube made out of bamboo. Mm-hmm. And you would stick your fingers in each end. Oh yeah, I know. And yeah. the harder you pull it out, the narrower the tube got, and the more stuck you were. And that's what golf feels like for most people. The harder they try, the more stuck they feel and the worse they do. You know, and, and, exactly. and if, you, if you take your technical instruction and you think, I actually call this moron golf. Um, you, right. <laughs> you, you make a swing and you, you got something and you didn't hit a good shot and you add something moron. Uh, oh, I got to take it back a little lower. Okay, and then you do that, and then you hit another good shot. Okay, I got to take it back lower and slower. Okay, and then another. Oh, I got, I got to, I got to cock my wrist more on the way back, and then I got to, I got to pause more at the top, and then I got to do this more, and I got to do more of that, and more of this, and more of that. And by the 16th hole, you, you're not sure which end of the thing to hold. You're so confused. Right. And you, and you right. say, I give up. I'm just going to get up and whack it. Oh, and there's a good shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just and and you and say when are we playing tomorrow? <laughs> so right, exactly, and so, that, that's what brings you back. You're you're exactly right. That's what brings you back. 
just on a quick side note, uh, I remember, I, I, I'm sad to say I'm old enough to remember the puzzle you're talking about. Um, and uh, <laughs> I used to actually have, I used to have one of those. So I, I hate to say it, but I'm in that generation that had those toys. And they were actually a lot of fun and very, very interesting. Let me, let me ask you something yeah. just going on to what you, what you were talking about here with, um, you know, trying to add more on and more on and so on and so forth. You know, I can remember when I was a youngster and my, again, I, as I mentioned earlier, my father was the one that taught me to play when I was a kid and, and we went to, you know, uh, the country club, but they had a par three course. So that's where he, he taught me. And one of the things that he used to say to me going to a point you just made is, you know, I'd say, well, you know, take a practice swing or two and, and then we'll get up and address the ball and, and so on and so forth. And he, he would say to me during my practice swings, he said, that's what you want to do. And I, for the longest time, I didn't understand what he was talking about. I said, do what? And he said, do that. And he said, swing the club just like you did in your practice swing, but this time do it addressing the ball. And mm-hmm. for the longest time, I couldn't do it because, you know, when you're, when you're swinging, it's very fluid. You're not really thinking about it. You're just swinging. The club gets in, you know, the ball gets in the way of the club and you have this beautiful shot. But as soon as for some reason, when that club face gets in behind the ball, you're not swinging fluidly anymore and, and all kinds of you know thoughts go through your head and, and so on and so forth. So obviously there's a difference when you're working with a player like a Vijay Singh or a Christy Kerr as, as you've worked and many other uh, professionals. When you're working with amateurs, which I know you've done many as mm-hmm. well, what do you say to them to get them to understand? Because obviously there's a difference between the, the level of play, yeah. but obviously the better players know where they're where they need to focus their efforts on how do you help the amateur players be more like Mm -hmm. professional players what do you say to them what's the conversation you have with them i think that you'd be surprised at how similar issues some of the pros have um but but let me let me start with what you were talking about uh, of why you see an amateur make a beautiful practice swing and then they get up to the enemy the ball and, the, and their swing mm-hmm. looks like they're chopping wood, right? You know, they yep, make a beautiful exactly. inside, nice swing plane, and then they lift the club straight up and smash down on the, on the ball or come over the top. Right. Okay. Well, right. Uh, there's a chapter in Zen Golf. What is your target? Okay. What is your intention in making a practice swing? Uh, I'm going to ask you, what's your, what are you trying to accomplish in making a practice swing? Make a good swing. Well, right? you exactly make a good swing. That's all you're trying to do is make a good swing. What's your intention when you get up to the ball? Hit it far and hit it where you want it to go. What what happened to the swing? Gone. All you're thinking about is is how you want it to turn out. And so your target stops being. Uh, it, it, your intention stops being make a good swing and starts being hit the ball. So now instead of swinging through the ball, you're hitting at the ball, which makes usually makes you stop there. Okay. The second thing is, again, what's your, so that was what's your intention. What's your target? Well, your target is where you want it to end up. But right. what people change is the target of their swing is the ball. What are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. Hit the ball. No. So I changed the language. What you're trying to do is send the ball. 
send it to the target is different than hit at the ball. And I, I had the wonderful exactly. experience. I was teaching a, a clinic and two young beginning ladies, uh, young ladies, left me a note on the desk. We were going to meet in the, uh, you know, in, in the conference room at the club. And they said, Doc, we're out at the sending range, sending balls to targets. Great. It's the sending mm-hmm. range, not the driving range, not the hitting range. It's where you're sending it. So, so if you, it, it changes everything in your physical dynamic. Instead of hit at the ball, send the ball to the target. So, so that's one of the, one of the differences that we're talking about. And, and I have a special thing that I do with the short game that I think will connect with you on what you were saying. For your mm-hmm. practice swing, it, it's, in the short game, it's not about the ball. It's about the lie and the grass. So mm-hmm. in your practice swing, how do I want the club to go through the grass? And you make that practice swing. And when you get to the ball, pretend the ball isn't there. Your intention mm-hmm. is, I want to make one more swing like I just did through the grass, not at the ball. Right. You will be amazed at the, how soft the ball comes off, how rarely you, how rarely you, you blade it, because you're not thinking. You treat the ball as invisible. Look past it, right at the grass, and make that what you want the club to go through, and you will have a much, much better experience. Now, I want to do one more thing, and that is how the amateurs and pros are the same, okay? And that is mm-hmm. Christy came up with this acronym, the biggest source of interference. If you watch the pros on the range, they, are, they just strike almost every shot. Why don't they right. do that on the course? Because on the course, the source of interference is worry about results. And, right. and Christy came this acronym, W-A-R, worry about results. When you worry about results, you are at war with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a great acronym. That's the source of, isn't it great? So that's the source of interference. Yep. If you are worried about how it's going to turn out, that interferes with your freedom and commitment of swinging the club. And, and when you make a practice swing, you're not worried about how it's going to turn out. You have freedom and commitment in that practice swing. And your dad says, just like that. So if mm-hmm. you could get up and say, I want my swing to feel just like that, and I don't care where the ball goes, wow, you're going to make a great, great swing. Now, you care where the ball goes, and I have a chapter in Zen Golf, to care or not to care. You care where the ball goes, and you should prepare yourself. Right. And that's why I have a system called PAR, P-A-R. Preparation, action, response to results. Do your best in preparation and prepare yourself. Alignment. Get yourself aligned. Get yourself set up. Get your posture together. Get your grip the way you want it. And then action has to be as free as it can be from worry about results. Fully committed, no, no worry about the outcome. And then re- reflection at the end, par, P-A-R, Reflect on the shot and see, you know, how well did you accomplish what you were trying to in your preparation and action, and what can you learn from it? Okay, so that's the re- that's how the amateurs and pros are the same. 
worry about results and thinking about what could go wrong is the biggest source of interference. When I started with VJ, his first question to me was he said, hey, Doc, I've been out here a long time. I played a lot of these courses. I know where all the bad places are. How do I stop thinking about where the bad places it could go and focus on where I do <laughs> want it to go? And that, that was the start of our work. So how different is that than the club golfer who gets up and says, uh-oh, out of bounds on the left, lake on the right, blah, blah, blah. I got a, I got a great story for you. Um, I mm-hmm. worked with David Toms for a while as well. And I just, mm-hmm. I saw him he's now on the senior tour. I saw him at a club near me. I, I teach at the Ojai Valley Inn in Southern California and, and, the, and Sherwood Country Club where they had the uh, Schwab, one of the Schwab Cup playoffs for the Champions Tour. It's only 45. Right. They used to have the Tiger Tour. It's only 45 minutes down the road from me. So I'm always there. And I saw David and I, I worked with him during a, uh, the Pro-Am at, at the tournament. And we stood up on this one hole that had a big lake on the right. And this guy hooked his tee shot into the houses on the left. And I said, <laughs> David, David shook his head and I said, good job of missing the lake. <laughs> and he cracked up. He just cracked up. <laughs> and I said, what a good shot. He missed that lake by a couple of hundred yards. Yeah, he hit into the houses out of bounds on the on the left, but he didn't hit it. He didn't push that ball to the right. And and I I saw David. It was ten years since we were at the Tiger event, and he was playing in it. And I and he came up to me and says, "Hey, Doc, great to see. You. I was just talking to you about about you telling him about what you said on that hole of the guy hitting it out of bounds and into the houses and saying, nice job of missing the lake. That's how much of an impression it made on him. So." <laughs> what we end up doing, instead of hitting where we do want it to go, we ease, and, and here's the secret, okay? The way that, that this interference of worry about results affects your swing mm-hmm. is you either help it, you're either helping or protecting or a combination of the two, okay? What mm-hmm. did he do? He helped it away from the lake by rolling his hands right. over and hitting a old hook. Good job of getting it to go away from the lake. Okay? He also mm-hmm. and and if and the other thing we do is prevent it from going where we want it to. So if there's trouble on the left, what do we do? We hold it off. We hold that face wide open. We do not let that club release. And that way we prevent it from going where we don't want it to go. Helping it by giving it something extra, preventing by holding back, either one, you're going to hit a bad shot. And that all comes from you trying to either make it go where you do want it to go or some combination of or avoiding where you don't want to go. And that goes for the pros as well as the amateurs. The last thing that yeah. goes with, at all levels of golf, perfectionism. And I have a oh, secret. Yeah. That is a pretty, you, you would think it's obvious, but it isn't. In golf, aim at a spot, but we play to an area. Everyone has a dispersion pattern. The pros have a smaller one. Amateurs have a big, big one. Beginners have a huge one. 
Who knows where right. it's going to go? But all, but we all aim at a spot. And if you think you're supposed to hit it at your spot every time, you're wrong. This right. one instruction transformed Christie's game and, and moved her from um, – she had won a major championship, and she was always knocking on the door. But this took her to number mm-hmm. one in the world. And that is mm-hmm. she stopped being so perfectionist and trying to guide her shots to to a spot and started ripping them at her target with full commitment because she accepted mm-hmm. the area that they could come down in. If it wasn't a game that you played to an area, every, every great player – would hole out from the fairway on every shot. But they right. don't. Exactly. So you aim at your spot and, and pick a real specific target spot, but then see an area around it and say, all I got to do is hit it in that area. And you relax. Mm-hmm. It gives you room to play, frees you up to make a free and committed swing. And who doesn't want to make a free and committed swing? Nothing feels... Nothing feels better and nothing feels worse than those holding back guidey kind of steering swings, right? Right. Well, and a lot of it too, um, Joe, is this, you know, we hear in, in the golf industry, um, you know, hit it to your target. Hit it, and, and I think people misunderstand that um, comment and, and that analogy, if you will. And they, um, the way you've just explained it is exactly right. You're, you're certainly picking a spot. But it's an area that you're really hitting the ball to, and because you're never going to hit it to that exact spot. I mean, I mean the odds are, are astronomical. But I think sometimes when people um, hear that term, you know, pick your target, they think they've got to hit it specifically there. And again, they're trying to maneuver and force the ball to do that. And even the pros, as you suggest, even do that as well. And I think that adds for a lot of frustration. I want to get something in real quick here before we move on. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't. Um, back a number of weeks ago, I had a, another special guest on the show uh, by the name of John Taylor, who I know you're familiar with from England. Uh, and he accredited yeah. on the show. Um, I know you're familiar with him, and I know you've had many, many conversations, and he had uh, some very kind things to, to say in, in general about you. And I know you've helped him uh, in his journey, and now he's uh, using the skills that he has learned on his own and, and obviously uh, through his conversations with you and, and, and sort of paying it forward. Um, when you get a situation like that where you're helping somebody, um, whether it be somebody like John or, or anybody in the golfing industry, what is it you most, um, and I don't want to use the word proud, but what are, you, what are you most trying to accomplish when you're working with somebody? What is, it, what is your well, number it. one goal when you're working with somebody? That's a that's a great question, and thank you for mentioning that. And a shout out to John; he's he's great, and and it's something that I have, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I want to, uh, I do want to pay it forward. And and so mentorship of uh, pros, I have a a great student, Dr. Peter Murphy, who is uh, he is a psychologist, and he has been training with me both in the mindfulness aspect of of what I bring to mm-hmm instruction and in the the golf instruction aspect of putting all that all of that together and and I have others that I'm I'm working with and uh, and I'm and it's so much fun to uh, mentor other coaches to do that 
Now, mm-hmm. what's the most important thing for me? Confidence. Giving mm-hmm. them, or or it's not giving them. Everyone has that confidence. It's freeing up, and it's no different than what I just told you. Instead of right. worrying about what could go wrong, having the confidence to get out of your own way and present your wisdom and your experience and share that with students uh, and to be able to lead them along. And again, you know, I, I want to share something that my uh, teacher, uh, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, meditation master, back in the 1970s, when I first started teaching, he said, first, first things first, be willing to say, I don't know. Too many people, my job is to give you answers, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess or make it up if I don't know. And that's not good. Just say, I don't know. Let me get back to you. I'm going to find out. And the second is, it's okay if, to leave people curious and that they don't quite get the whole thing and, and they need to try to figure it out a little bit for themselves and, then, and, and, and chew on it for a little bit and then come back to you. Mm-hmm. What's not okay is to leave them with a misunderstanding. So saying less is better. Helping your students, and, and this is helping the, other, the, the coaches that I'm coaching and their students, I try to teach them, don't try to tell your students everything. Try to help them figure things out for themselves. Give them hints. Ask them questions. Because if, if a student discovers it for themselves, it will, it will just sink in. It'll be part of their, and I'm going to use the word fabric, it'll be part of their own fabric. If you tell them it's a patch you're putting onto their fabric and it'll right. come off. If they discover it for themselves, it becomes part of the fabric. It's sewn in. And so, so, um, so for mentoring people, I want to hear what they're saying and, 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 ex- and have them express themselves first and then I'll ask questions like, is there another way that you could put that? Is that about you or is that about them? And mm-hmm. one of the things that I try to let people know is when you're coaching people, and this came up with uh, what Clint and Pete were talking about earlier, when you're coaching people mm-hmm. in, the, in the technical part of the game, it's much more effective to, to teach them to use um, I'm going to use the word what to teach them what kinds of swing keys or what kinds of thoughts or feels rather than how. Mm-hmm. Think about what you want the club head to do. Think about what you want your what you want your body to do rather than how you are going to get it to do that. And the story I just had a lesson. I told this story. Um, a snail and a centipede were talking, and the snail challenged the centipede to a race. The centipede said, come on, a race? What are you kidding? I can't. He said, yeah, we'll race over to that rock. He said, I could get to that rock and back ten times before you could reach it. And the snail said, what are you, chicken? And the centipede said, no, I'll, okay, I'll race you. And the snail said, okay, let's get ready. On the count of three, we'll go. Oh, but I have one question for you before we start. 
what order do you move all your legs in? Neil said, one, two, three, and he won the race. Because the centipede got so confused thinking about what order he was going to move his legs in. Well, a centipede, it's named after the word cent, 100, 100 legs. We have a hundred, at least 100 muscles we're moving in our body in a golf swing. Do you right. want to think about each one of those and the order that you're going to move them in? You'll never, you'll never swing the club. The snail just said, I got to get from here to there. What you're trying to do, what do you want to do with the club head? What do you want the club head to do? What do you want your body to feel like? Those two things. What do you want it to do? What do you want your body to feel like? Rather than how should I move my body and how should I move the, the, the golf club? No, forget the how. Just teach them what. That's yeah. it's that simple. And when you and when you're playing, give yourself what swing keys or swing feels, not how swing thought instructions. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And and, and you know, it's like I said earlier in in that segment. You know, one of the problems that. I think, especially with beginners, that a lot of coaches have is they get, you know, too technical in their jargon, and it's just overwhelming. Too much information, especially for the beginning golfers. Yeah, you know, less is more. Yeah, go ahead. I got a a great story for that. Okay, so I'm I'm I was doing a little little group school, and uh, I I'll, I'll go through. And one of my one of my techniques is to ask a golfer that's starting with me, tell me something about your game. It's kind of my Rorschach inkblot thing because it's very open-ended. Mm-hmm. And and if they start talking about what they worry about, what their problems are, I go, okay, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going a little negative here. This, um, mm-hmm. But I asked this one lady, I went around the room and she, I said, so, um, young lady, tell me something about your game. She takes out a piece of paper and says, here are the 12 things that my golf instructor wants me to do on every shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, cool. I'd seen her, her warm up a little bit before we had our meeting. And she looked like a robot. She mm-hmm. would go through yeah. each piece of the in a separate sequence, right? Now, four of those mm-hmm. pieces were uh, were in her setup, and and yep. I think one was in, her, in how she should finish or something like that. But there were eight pieces to the swing, and I recognized some of them, and I said, could you do me a favor? Have you ever skipped a rock? She said, on a pond? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done that. I said, show me, and we were in a classroom. No, no rocks, mm-hmm. no pond. I said, just show me what it would look like. And she skips a rock, and she does a pretty good job. And I said, okay, now now let's do it in slow motion. Start. And I said, okay, how did you start? You started by turning your upper body away from your target, right? She said, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, check one. I said, then you paused at the top, right? She said, oh, check two. You started down with your lower body. Check three. Your right elbow came close to your hip. Check four. We, we went through and we checked all eight points off. And all it mm-hmm. was was feel, 
feel like you're skipping a rock. That was her only right. instruction. We got out mm-hmm. to the range, and she, I said, she said, I don't have to think about any of those things. I said, no, feel like you're swinging the club like you're skipping a rock. And she starts hitting shots, and they go in the air and straight. And, yeah. and I know, fact, it's amazing. We went out to play, and her husband got a little upset because she was playing better than he was. (laughs) With only one swing feel, that only that one swing feel, swing the club like you're you're skipping a rock. There is a what instruction, not a how instruction. What it should feel like. I I agree wholeheartedly. You know, one of of the things, too, that – yeah, one of the two things that – that I really am a proponent against. And don't get me wrong when I say, let me preface this real quick. Um, I'm all for technology. I think the technology is wonderful. Some of the advancements that have been made in golf instruction, but are you teaching the golfer? Are you teaching the, the, um, the technology? One of the criticisms I have with the golf industry, and I'm part of it is that they spend most of their time teaching the technology to their students and not actually how to play the game. And what I mean by that is they will be sitting in front of a monitor and they're watching the monitor while the student's hitting in a bay or whether they're hitting outside because they've got the launch monitors and all of this stuff I know does work and, and can help. And there's some useful vital information, but the instructor spending the majority of time explaining the technology to the student as opposed to how to play the game. And that's something that I fear is adding to the frustration for many amateur golfers is that they're so confused with all the data coming in um, with this technology and so forth. And again, it has its place, but used in the proper context. Do you see that as well? Well, I I think I agree with you. Everything, everything in its place, uh, it can inform. uh, And, and when you see uh, the track man flights and things, that's okay. But I, I think the purpose of it should really be for the instructor to have the information and not give so much of that information to the student. If, you, if you're talking too much about spin rates and this, that, and the other thing, um, especially for, right. for high-cap students, what the value is is for the instructor to get the information that that was that was the kind of trajectory, flight, uh, smash factor, impact, angle, all of those things that the instructor is looking for. And then this is a technique that I would teach an instructor, okay? Then ask the student, what did that feel like to you? Tell me Mm -hmm. what that felt like. There's an old saying in golf, what you feel isn't necessarily what is real. So the student may feel like I took it back way, way low, but they didn't. They took it back on a nice plane. But you say, okay, however that felt, that's what you want to feel. You see, I had a a Mm -hmm. student who was really quick at the top. And I said, hold it up there for what feels like a second. He said, oh, that felt really long. It wasn't. I said, now two seconds. Now you got to three seconds. He said, you got to be kidding. He held what it felt like to him 
was three seconds at the top, and I film, I videoed mm-hmm. it. So this is where value comes in on technology. I, I had a video of right. him. He hit the shot, and I said, let's look at the video. I said, what do you think of the transition? He said, it was perfect. I said, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. But if I had told you that, would you have believed me? He said, no, because it felt like I was up there forever. And, and so it became his swing feel. I need to feel like I'm up there for three whole seconds. And yep. it transformed his. Now, as he got used to that, he only had to feel like he was up there for two seconds and then one second. And then he, he, it became second nature to him. But the point is, as an instructor, I told him that's what you need to feel like, even though that's not what's actually happening. I, I have right. another student. She's, she goes, so she goes, John Daly passed parallel. I said, well, you need to feel like you're only going to midnight to straight up because what feels like parallel is almost straight down to you. So that's what right. the instructor can do. Get the information from the technology. And when they find that they've got what they want in the student's performance, but tell the student what ask student what did what were you feeling? What were the feels that you had when you made that swing? And let's write those down because those are gonna be your feel keys. So that's what I would suggest. Yep. I think some great advice. Um and you you you've hit it right on the the nail right on the head exactly with what you were talking about. You know, there's a place and time for everything and I again I I concur with you. I think technology does have a place. Uh, I think that sometimes, like anything, not just in golf, but in other areas too, I think sometimes we get caught up in things. And the key thing really is, as you pointed out earlier, you really need to listen to the students and you really need to hear what they're saying and what their um, you know, areas of, of difficulty are and then put together uh, a plan of, of you know, what needs to be done and not how mm-hmm. it needs to be done. Because, again, that gets too confusing for so many. Um, you know, I can't believe this is actually the fastest hour that I think I've done in a long time. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. And we're, we're running out of time. But I want to give you uh, an opportunity. I, I'm going to have to come, come back because I know there are so many other things that we want to talk about. But I want to very quickly in the last few moments to give you an opportunity. Um, of course, um, we really touched along, even though without really mentioning it too much, uh, about your book, Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game. Uh, but you've written some other books, including a, a Disney book uh, as well that uh, was being given out. Uh, it was given um, from the Nicholas Children's Hospital, uh, Walk in the Wood. Yeah, uh, to them. Meditations and, and Mindfulness with a Bear, a bear Named Pooh, uh, of course, referring to Winnie the Pooh. And uh, actually you have uh, several books, um, four golf books, a tennis book, a diet book, and, of course, the family book for, for uh, Disney featuring Winnie the Pooh. Um, where can the folks go and, and get that? Um, more information, first off, on, on that. Uh, and where can they pick them up? Okay, well, um, the, uh, the latest book is, uh, I'm so delighted I wrote it with my sister, and my wife designed the, the, uh, the, the layout and the cover and everything. Um, and it's a Disney book for families. What it, it, it's a walk in the wood, meditation on meditations on mindfulness with a bear named Pooh, and it's a day in the life of Winnie the Pooh, sixteen chapters, and each story tells something about 
um, mindfulness, kindness, and, and lots of family values, self-esteem, self-confidence, gratitude, mm-hmm. uh, friendship, all, all of those things. At the end, and, and the stories are very much like uh, the original A.A. Milne Winnie the Pooh stories, which were written for mm-hmm. adults and children. Right. After each chapter is an adult instruction on different meditations they can do on these topics like mindfulness, kindness, gratitude, uh, self-confidence, things like that, that the, that the adults can learn and practice and then share with their children at age-appropriate levels. So I was delighted that Disney agreed to donate over 300 copies to the Nicholas Children's Hospital mm. Foundation. Jack and Barbara great. Are, are so dear to me, and I've known them for 20 mm. years. Uh, I was supposed to fly out there and do a reading and signing, um, and we got shut down by the virus, which was very, very sad. Right. But the kids – Yeah. Well, so what I did was I recorded – uh, videos of me reading selected chapters from the book that they're going to play on the closed circuit TV in the hospital for all the kids. Oh, wow. And they're going to give the 300 books to uh, the families of kids in the hospital as they, as, uh, at the hospital, when they're there and, and as they're leaving. Um, so right. it, it's very exciting. And you can find all the books at my website, drjoeparent.com d-r-j-o-e p-a-r-e-n-t dot com Uh, and I have a YouTube channel that they're all posted on again the Dr. Joe Parent YouTube channel Um, and you can sign up I send out a weekly email uh, quote of the week it's just one page with a a golf quote from one of my golf books and a life quote from the Winnie the Pooh book or my my diet book and and the diet book is really helpful. There's no recipes or menus. Uh, I call it the best diet book ever, The Zen of Losing Weight. And, um, and it's really great for what you would call the, the quarantine 15. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> have put on a lot of weight in this, this shut. Oh, yeah. So, right. so this will help you just change your eating and exercise habits a little bit, enough to, uh, to shed those pounds and get you, get you back to fighting weight. Uh, when when we emerge out of this thing, so uh, I also have a website zengolf.com and a zengolf app. Uh, all of these feed into the drjoeparent.com website, and that's where uh, my business speaking, um, keynote speeches, on performance psychology for business, the weight loss program, and and the uh, and teaching mindfulness, and and I also offer every couple of weeks a free uh, mindfulness session that people can t- on Zoom that people can, can mm-hmm. tune into. So you'll find that all on the website. And I also have an author page on Amazon.com that you can, can go to and see more about the book. So thank you for asking that, Ted. Perfect. Not a problem. Well, Joe, thank you. I hate that we're, we're out of time, and I'm definitely going to have to reschedule to come back uh, on a future date so we can continue the conversation. There's so much more I know we can talk about um, but I appreciate you uh, not only uh, coming on and, and sharing some some great insight, uh, I know, from your book and, and sharing uh, some of the other books that you've written as well. well. We'll get into a little bit more of that next time as well. But I also appreciate you uh, adding some some additional thoughts to my earlier discussion with the Coach's Corner panel. So I appreciate that to start the show off. But uh, thank you very much, and it was a pleasure 
uh, having you on the show, and I look forward to having you back here again real soon. The pleasure was mine. Let's do it again. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great evening. All right. That was my very special guest, uh, best-selling author of Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game, Dr. Joe Parent. Uh, all the other books that uh, he mentioned here just a few moments ago, if you go to drjoeparent.com, you can get uh, all the links there and all the information on where you can uh, get your hot little hands on them. Uh, so by all means, uh, be sure to reach out. Go to drjoeparent.com. Uh, and also some other great information that you may want to have him uh, when things clear up a little bit uh, and he's able to, to get around a little bit better uh, during uh, the, these difficult times with, with covid um, you may also want to uh, reach out to him and have him uh, do some guest speaking and so forth as well. So you can get all that information on his website. All right. On that note, I look forward uh, to uh, wrapping up uh, another show. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, tonight's uh, guests, both on the Coaches Corner panel. Again, a special thanks to Pete Buchanan and Clint Wright. And once again, to Dr. Joe Parent, uh, best-selling author of Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game. Tune in next week. I will have another great panel discussion and my good friend and partner, uh, Peter Kessler, the voice of golf, will be joining me next Thursday right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.